Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. If this is your first time here and you receive some value from the show, please do us a solid and leave us a review at the end. We'd really appreciate to know how we're doing. And uh, I don't know, maybe you're just tired of listening to Eric's voice. We want to know that, too. But let me take a second here, and I want to talk about our brand new private club that we created. It's a it's a private Facebook group. It's a community that Eric and I put together to help contractors put profit back into their P and L. And we're really excited about this. Eric's going to talk about it a little bit more at the end. But uh, you can head over to hammerandgride.com and find out more about that. Click on the Profit Club link and uh, see if that's going to be a good fit for you. On today's episode, the topic is perfection your curse or blessing. What's up, people? I would like to say it's a blessing and a curse for everyone, both of them. You know, you got to have one, you got to have the other. What do you mean by that? Why do you have to have both? Explain that, expand on it. Well, I mean, this this is coming off the heels of the journey to self-mastery we talked about and constant never-ending improvement. It's coming off of our podcast where we talked about building the perfect business, you know, contractor business community, right? So at some point, if if you're trying to create something amazing, you're striving for perfection. And at some point you go too far and that's when it becomes a curse. And then sometimes when you bring it right to the edge of being a curse or a blessing, when you're right on the cliff, that's when the magic happens. You got to find the magic, got to find that breaking point. That's interesting. So should we define what perfection is? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. No, no, no Listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's the beauty of this. What is what's it? Per- what's perfect for me is maybe a mess for you. And what's perfect for you is a mess for me. So it's very subjective. Well, wait, 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 wait. What's perfect for me is perfect for everybody, Eric. No, no. I just spent a week with you in Florida. It, it, it's a little bit annoying what's perfect for you. It wasn't even a week. It was literally three days. And yeah. that was three days too much. That was many. the worst three days of my life. <laughs> Hey, you left there. You left Miami as a better man because of that interaction. Admit it. Look, at, you left Florida smiling more than you did in three days in the past three years. Just admit it. That's true. I did have a good time. You no, annoyed the shit time. out of me, but I did have a good time. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, what's perfect for one person is is not perfect for the other. And so, you know, look, we've talked about developing a... I guess I'm throwing the secret out there, but we've developed, we're working on developing a tracking system uh, for our community to, you know, just track progress and goals and uh, daily affirmations and things like that. And what's perfect for me is different than you. And so we have to, you know, try and figure out where that lands, you know, just because like we're, we're business partners in this, but like we have to find that, that happy medium in the middle. And then we're always walking on that cliff, looking for that magic moment. Yeah, so I, I was looking up the definition while you were talking because I, I wanted to actually define it with a real definition. And uh, the Webster's Dictionary says 
perfect is being entirely without fault or defect or satisfying all requirements? No one's without fault or defect, I believe, but satisfying requirements. You know, it's interesting because when we started talking about doing this podcast, I was like, well, what is perfect, right? Like, what, what can I define perfect in my life? You know who I thought of? I think you might be surprised. Me? No, it wasn't you. No. <laughs> I thought of Gordon Ramsay. Like he wants perfection in his kitchen, right? Think about Hell's Kitchen and making the, the perfect filet or the perfect eggs benedict or the, you know, like his his level of perfectionism is amazing, right? So you you get this dish, you eat it, it tastes perfect. It comes out at the perfect time with all the rest of the meal. I think they reach perfection. That's what I thought of. Yeah. So using that analogy, look at Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay is a top chef. I mean, but he is definitely the polar opposite of Gordon Ramsay. But do, do the eggs Benedict taste the same? I don't know. I've never had either one of theirs. So, I mean, so, I, I don't know. I don't know the guy you speak of. He must be a nobody. He's not. He's just as, if not as popular as Gordon Ramsay. Huh. Well, the, the reason why Gordon Ramsay is so popular is because he's so flamboyant. He's so over the top. And that's mm-hmm. to the to your point, which is interesting that you brought that up, because a lot of times we look at that and see people that are over the top, that are flamboyant, that get attention, that have a social following. And, you know, another one that you, your idol, Andy Frizzelli, he's another over the top personality, right? Is he any more perfect in what he does than you? I mean, we don't know because we can't compare those two things. But when you look at people like that, that are on top of the social, you know, the social norms, their personalities come out and it makes it seem like they're even more intense. I mean, Gordon Ramsay might be the nicest person you've ever met off camera. He might, he might be laid back and, you know, super chill. But on camera, he's just over the top, wants everything perfect. So is it just a... Is it more of a show or is that like really him striving for perfection? Well, I think, I think it's a re, you know, it's not reality TV is not really reality. So, and some of the other things I've seen Gordon do, he seems like a pretty cool dude. I mean, I think he's, he's pretty fun. I think he's a little over the top for the show, just for the show. But again, I'm speculating that, but the reality is like, I believe you can make the perfect dish, the perfect texture, the perfect temperature, the perfect cut, the perfect, I, I, I believe they achieve it. And they're always, I mean, within- By whose standards though? Well, by the top chefs in the world standards. So what if you go and you eat it and you think it tastes like crap? Is it because you don't know any better or because the top chef's definition of perfect is different than yours? Well, I mean, listen, if it was liver, I probably wouldn't like it that much. Right. Look, I mean, when top professionals create an excellence, a standard of excellence, I mean, how can you mess with that? I mean, I, I would never look at the perfect, you know, lemon meringue from Gordon Ramsay as not being perfect. Maybe I didn't like lemon. Personally, I love lemon, but I'm just saying like my wife doesn't really like lemon. So she might take a bite of it and go, eh, I don't really like it, but it's probably the perfect temperature, the perfect consistency, the perfect ingredients by excellent industry standards. So I I think we're going too deep on the food item. I mean, I want to bring this back to contracting and to your business. Well, I don't think, I mean, I think it parallels perfectly and I don't, I don't think we're going too deep because I think we're right there. It's a, it's everyone understands food. I mean, everyone Mm -hmm. eats food. So it's, it's a good analogy. It's interesting because you said that by industry standards, you said that a couple of times now and 
you know, that may be, again, you have other chefs that may say it's one thing, but then you have consumers that may say something totally different. So which industry standard are we going by? You know what I mean? Translating this to back to construction now, you have other contractors, right? Your peers that may say one thing, and then you have your customers that may say something totally different. So I could go in and do a job and the drywall could be a level five finish by industry standard, but the customer may think it looks like crap. So is that perfection? Is it by industry standard perfection or should I have gone by the customer perfection? And which one matters? Does it matter what the industry is or the customer? Well, I guess that's going to come down to your sales process and, you know, the discovery call and figuring out what, what standard is that they want. And you'd be saying, hey, industry standard is a number five, da-da-da, whatever, for drywall. And this is how the finish would going to be. And they might be like, oh, I really want orange peel. And you might be like, well, orange peel is out. It's not that cool anymore. And they're like, I don't care. When I was a kid, I had orange peel and I like it. That's what I want. That's my perfection. And you go, okay, you want orange peel? I can give you orange peel. No problem. And so that happens in the discovery of your sales call, right? So I think that's worked out that way. You can still probably deliver a perfect yeah, orange so, peel finish. True. And I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here because perfection in my mind is in the eye of the beholder. It's not in my eye. Now I can have my own perfection about my own self, like, right. you know, my own, on my own journey to self mastery. But to, like to come out and say that there's like an industry standard uh, across the board in, in every field of the world, specifically construction, I think that's all totally subjective to the person who you're talking to. I have a good story to tie into this. So check this out. This is a weird moment for me. When I'm out building ponds with my crew, I'm trying to empower my team. I'm trying to give them the, the go-ahead. I don't just come in and go, I'm here to build the waterfall, everybody. Like, I'm not this prima donna, like, roll up, like, look out, I'm building the waterfall. You did all the hard work. So I did this one project, and, you know, I knew the client pretty well. There was two waterfalls on the project, and I was like, okay, I'm going to build a waterfall on this on this with my team. And so I remember when we went in to build the waterfall, I kind of gave a little bit of freedom on the first waterfall as a team project. It was like a team development. Hey, move this rock. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? Now we went to the second waterfall. I was like, I'm going to do what I want here because it's going to, it'll differentiate. So the two waterfalls look very different. And so I took what I thought in my mind was perfect for this application. And I made this skinny, tall waterfall next to the other like wider, shorter waterfall. So visually con contrast composition wise, I think I set up the, the rocks just like perfect. And, you know, I set up the waterfall up taller. So it was just, I just thought it was great. One side that, that I did with the team was kind of like splashing and falling, like imagine like a whitewater rapid kind of thing, right? So this one on the left-hand side, we elevated it and I made like this sheer descent, skinny, interesting. It was completely different contrast, different audio, different all this stuff. And like when I was done, I was like, this shit is sick. I love this, right? Customer comes out, the wife hates it. She hates the skinny little waterfall. And I was, I was, I'm square. I was, I was like pissed. I was like, you know, like I shouldn't have just let my guys do this. You know, I shouldn't have like put my perfection on this because they, they did want something. They, they wanted what was right for them. So me as an artist, here it is. It's an artistic wise, you know, I've built all these different waterfalls. I felt like this was the perfect setting, the perfect application, perfect composition. Client comes out, doesn't like it. This is not eggs Benedict. This is not lemon meringue pie where the, you know, the texture and temperature is perfect. Right. Right. 
So the lady comes out and she's like, yeah, I, I, it's too skinny. Uh, I, I just, I just don't like it. And I was like super pissed. Right. But I'm like, okay, all right. I just got to give them what they want. I told my guys, I'm like, just change the waterfall, do whatever the fuck you want. Cause I'm done. I'm not touching this waterfall. I'm not going to screw up my perfect waterfall. Like I'm not going to screw it up. You guys screw it up. So I let my guys do it. This is what was really interesting. I let the guys do it. They move the waterfall around. They change it up. The lady comes out. She's like, oh my God, I love it. She's all, she's all super happy. And then my guys were just like, all like, dude, you should have seen their chest. They were just like, boom, 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 pounding their chest. They're all pumped. Like they're so stoked that they, you know, they made the, ha- the lady happy and I didn't. So it was super empowering for my team and super demoralizing to me. But I was like, this turned out to be good. It was a bad thing, turned it into an opportunity to empower my team. And I took the L and I still got paid. So it was okay. Well, that's a great story. It perfectly illustrates what we're talking about. But you said L. Why is that an L? How is that an L? I took the loss. Feelings? Yeah, my eye personality, you know that. So, but, but I mean, like, here's the thing is that I poured my heart into it. I wasn't just like, like, hey, I really want to, I really want to make something interesting. And I, I was like, but me as an artist, see, as an artist, that's what's so interesting because art could look like total crap to one person look amazing to someone else, right? And that's the difference between art and food. But when it comes back to hanging a window, the perfection would be, it's got to be plumb. It's got to be level. It's got to be centered on the house correctly. It's got to be in the right spot. And the drywall, there shouldn't be any joints showing like that. There's a level of perfection that's in an industry standard that everyone should be pleased with. And the normal person would be pleased with. Yeah, but hanging a window is a heck of a lot easier to do than building a pond, especially a waterfall. So, I mean, I think what's interesting about your industry and doing ponds is the act of building the pond can be art, right? But you're trying to do a tangible item for a customer that wants a specific thing. So I'm sure you have customers that are like, Eric, I don't care what it looks like. Just give me a beautiful pond. And when they come out and you're done, they're like, oh my gosh, it looks beautiful. Right? Like yes. Those are probably your yeah. favorite favorite customers. As an artist, that's probably your, you want full carte blanche. Do it. Here's a check for $50,000. Just build me a beautiful pond. 100%. I would imagine that's your perfect customer. But now on the other end, you have the customer could be an engineer or whatever, accountant or somebody who's a high C personality. And they want, they want to give you creative freedom within this very narrow channel that they provide for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting that in terms of perfectionism, you can't build the same two ponds. There's nothing that's completely identical between one pond and the next because you're using rocks that aren't identical, right? You're using land that's not identical. I mean, sure, you can have like a design and that it can be very similar, but you're you're taking things that aren't symmetrical, that aren't perfect in its own sense, and and then making it perfect. So, if you were to ask me, I don't think there's you can build a perfect pond because it's not repeatable. It's every single one is its own stands on its own legs. Does that make sense? True. Whereas but- I could put twenty, I could put twenty windows in a house. And three of them can be perfect, and the other 17 aren't perfect. Well, I mean, if the window doesn't open correctly because it's not plumb, then, yeah, that's a problem. So as far as perfectionism goes, 
I'll just come out and say it because I don't, I mean, I don't want to be any confusion. I don't think perfectionism is a, it can ever be a blessing. I think perfectionism is a curse. That is my stance on it. I don't see any scenario ever where it can be a blessing. Now, striving for perfectionism in the sense of trying to better yourself, because obviously this is along, this parallels along the line of, a, of the journey to self-mastery, because right, because if you're trying to master yourself, make yourself better, you're getting closer and closer and closer to perfectionism, right? Or perfect, rather. But it's one thing to like try and better yourself. It's another thing to try and make it perfect. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, but again, I I don't totally agree with you on that because while I believe that you can't necessarily ever achieve perfection, if you're constantly making adjustments to try and be better, you are becoming a better and better person and better at your craft and better in relationships and all that. So am I a perfect human being? No, but I believe I'm perfect for my wife. I'd like to think that she thinks the same until, you know, I fart in bed at nighttime and she doesn't think that's very perfect, but, but I'm perfect for her and she's perfect for me, but I'm well, not a perfect we, human being. So we use that term loosely, right? Like, yeah, we can say it looks perfect. Oh, it looks perfect. Like that's a loosely used term. And in your, and in your you know sense of you're perfect for your wife and she for you, like, I mean, in that sense, sure, we can use the word perfect. But to me, perfect is never attainable. And I just want to clarify what I'm saying here because I don't want to be any confusion. If you're striving for perfectionism, you're going to get better, right? Like, so it's a blessing. If you, it's well, it could striving be striving for perfection is a blessing. Striving for perfection, achieving perfectionism is not. Well, we're, that's we're never. That's, gonna, the, that's the distinction I want to make. That's the you're two. You're always going to be able to be better, no matter what. You'll always be able to get better, faster. Yes. That's cleaner. that's the journey to self-mastery, right? It's not the journey to self-perfectionism, right? Because well, the word mastery does not mean perfect. So this this is what I want to say. I want to make this distinction so that there's no confusion. Let me just translate this into a distance. Let's just say 100 yards is the perfect distance, a football field, Right. If you go 100 yards, then you you have reached the perfect distance, okay? The problem is that as long as you're trying to reach that distance, you are constantly making yourself better. So when you're at the 30-yard line, you're better than you were at the 20-yard line, right? Follow me? Mm-hmm. So the farther you get to the 100-yard line, the perfect yard line, you are constantly getting better, and you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to perfectionism. It's a perfect. But the problem is that at what point is it too much? Because maybe you only have to go 70 yards to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And at that point, the last 30 yards that you've tried to travel to get there is now diminishing returns. Now it's actually hurting you because you didn't need to go any further than 70 yards. Does that make sense at there's all? Certain, sure, but there's certain parts of your business where that does make sense. And there, there's a spot in that for pond construction. And I imagine for any other types of construction as well and business and so forth. There, That is the truth. But striving for perfectionism in like a personal sport and personal health and wellness and all that stuff, I don't think there's a spot unless, I mean, sure, you can go too far in anything. Too much of anything is bad. But well, that's what I'm trying, that's the point I'm to, trying to make. 
there's nothing wrong with striving to be perfect. The problem is that whenever you go too far to achieve perfectionism, because then that is the curse. That is the curse. So I know, right? I know where customer, you're getting to. Listen, I, I know where you're getting to. You're getting to Gitmo. So let's just get Mo and get on with it. Get on with the get, get Mo and, and get te- Mo. teach people. Yeah, teach people about get, get Mo. Mo. Yeah. So there's a, he's actually a pastor. His name is Craig Grissel. And he came up with this term called get Mo, G-E-T-M-O. If you search Google or YouTube for get Mo, you'll probably find it. But uh, basically, it's a term that he came up with for his team because they were spending way too much time trying to make everything perfect. And so get Mo stands for good enough to move on. And uh, he talks about diminishing returns in his video. But basically, in terms of the yardage, 70 yards out of 100 could be Getmo. It could be all you need to get. If you're on the 30-yard line and you got to score a touchdown, you only have to go 70 yards to score the touchdown, right? You don't have to go a full 100. So you don't need to throw an 80-yard pass. You can go 70 yards and get a field goal, but I still want to get the touchdown. But my point is, if you throw the if you throw the football eighty yards, you just do it outside the out of the end zone. Well, yeah, but no one does that. So you didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, but you don't throw eighty yards. You you know, <laughs> you you run it. You you pitch it to the running back and you run. You know what if what if you're down by three? Only you want seven. You don't want only a field you goal. could turn this into a completely totally different direction. <laughs> well, listen. See, here's the problem I have with Getmo. I do have a problem with Getmo because I understand there's certain times you're a perfectionist. Well, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. I really, I'm not. I'm Eric, not. I'm you just said you built a perfect waterfall, and when they didn't <laughs> like it, you got butt hurt. That is literally the definition of a perfectionist. Uh, well, that's in art. That's different because I know it's subjective <laughs> to the way it looks, and I want to sort. I want to talk about that some more. But there's a certain point where, hey, it is good enough to move on. Okay, so you know, I think the the biggest argument you and I ever had when I literally wanted to strangle you and you probably wanted to smash my head was in a Gitmo situation in us developing the podcast and the profit club and the sales system that we're de- developing. And I think that was a, that was a defining moment for us to understand each other. But there's a certain point where it's like, okay, I, I understand this is the website's at a spot where it's good enough to move on and let's work on the podcast. And then that's good enough and let's get it to move on. But sometimes I'm only at the 50 yard line. I, you know, maybe you think you're at, we're at 70, but I'm only at 50 and I want to get to 70, but my 70 is 90 to you. And you think it's, you know, it's too much. So there, that's when two different personalities on the other sides of the country have to try and realize, Hey, am I at, are you at Gitmo? Am I at Gitmo? What if you are, and I'm not. So like as a business and you might relate, this might become relatable to your clients and to your customers. Is this right? Is this get mo? Yeah. And well, I mean, that's communication, right? You have to have that communication. I mean, in your story of the waterfall, if she came out and said, if, you know, if you did the first waterfall and, and she came out and you're like, oh, how do you want your second waterfall? And she said, I wanted you to build it exactly like the first one. Then you would have followed that, right? I mean, you may mm-hmm. not have been happy because you wanted to do yours, but you would have been able to create it in their eyes and not necessarily in your eyes. So that's where communication is extremely important in your organization. Let me tie this to our the, the profit sales system, because this is going to be funny to you. I don't think I ever met the woman. This was before we really had our sales process defined. 
I never even spoke to the woman. I only spoke to the man, worked out the deal. I didn't even communicate with her. So maybe I could have, if I felt like I had creative freedom, so my communication skills were lacking still. Again, it's it's pre-profit sales system times. And and then it, it bit me. I thought I had the creative freedom, but I didn't because I didn't communicate well enough. And that's that's what I love about, you know, our core four system and, and communication with our clients. I think that's key. And I like that this just tied to that. Absolutely. I mean, that's step three of our, of the, uh, the profit sales system. I mean, objections, which is your decision makers, you know, you always got to have your decision makers present. So yeah, it's definitely, I mean, what you're saying is back then you didn't know any better, but now obviously you wouldn't make that same mistake. Well, I'd be less likely to make that mistake. I'm not perfect. So I'm always screwing up. Yeah, but you're trying to be perfect. So my thing with Getmo, and this is relatable right to the podcast and the hammer and grind journey that we're on right now. It's like, I do think there's certain things that we've done that are Getmo that'll help us move the, tick the needle along forward until we're in a better position to head backwards and maybe make some corrections and move it back along. And I don't necessarily have to have them perfect, but I, I do want them to be better. I don't want to get, I don't want to just, I'm nervous that some people might get into the get mo standard and they're like, oh, this is good enough to move on. Oh, well, this is good enough to move on. Well, I want to make sure we're in that constant, never ending improvement mentality. Is it get mo or is it not? Does that make sense? Well, so this is where hindsight is very important. This is where reflection is extremely important because you and I have been recording videos for the uh, the Profit Club and, you know, they're not the greatest videos. And there's many times where I said, you know, get Mo, let's move on to the next one and with the intention of coming back later if we have time to do it. But let's just say you produce a, a product or something and uh, you're get Mo, you're not happy, right? You're at the 50 yard line. You want to be at the 70 and you're not happy. And you put this product out there and the customer says, Eric, that is absolutely amazing. I love it. Don't change anything about it. I think it's great. I mean, what are you going to do then? Are you going to still go back and change it, even though the perception of that they have is that it's perfect? So listen, I've turned over projects to my team and said, look, I'm empowering you. I've taught you what I can. This is where we're at. This job's yours. I'm not going to influence. I'm not going to touch anything. I'll even go to the job site and they'll be like, hey, what do you think about this rock? I'm like, I think you're in charge is what I think. You know, I think this is your waterfall and I just let them go. And then I leave and then I come back and I might come back to the job site and go, oh, water level is probably an inch different than I would have liked to have seen it. Oh, waterfall is okay. I mean, it's, it looks all right. You know, I mean, uh, should I make an adjustment? Am I going to hurt their feelings? Am I going to take the empowerment away from them that I gave to them? And all this stuff's going through my head and the client walks out and they're like, oh my God, it's beautiful. You know, like, I'm like, okay, cool. She loves it. My guys are empowered. I don't want to let my vision of perfection, you know, ruin it for the lady. She's happy. Ruin it for my team. They're happy. And that's their journey to self-mastery. And I empower them to take that step. And maybe they're at the the 40 yard line and I want to get them to 70. And maybe that's not the right time to move them to 40. They just... you know, when, when we're done and we're at the back at, at the at headquarters and we're sipping on a beer and I'd be like, hey, this would be my challenge to them. I'd be like, hey, you guys did amazing today. I got a question for you. If you could do one or two things different to maybe make that pond better, what would you guys do? Let's talk about that and then get them to start thinking about, you know, adjustments that they might take. And that that takes me to 
making adjustments to perfection. And I know perfection is not attainable to anybody, unless you're Gordon Ramsay and you do a lemon meringue, but making adjustments, that, <laughs> that would be a way to get them to make adjustments. And then I might just go, you know what I would have liked to seen? I would have loved it if the water level was up like maybe an extra inch. I think that would have made a really cool difference. What do you think? And then then get them to talk about it and explore it. Yeah, that that's like perfect. Like what you just described is absolutely I think. Did you perfect. say perfect? Nope. No, There's no such thing as perfect. No Brad. pun on words. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's you illustrated my point, but you also turned it into a positive. So, you know, my point is that you didn't think it was perfect. The customer did think it was perfect, right? So who's right? So did the guys. So did the guys. Yeah. Well, obviously the customer's right because they're the one paying you and who cares if you think it's perfect or not. Yeah. But I like the way that you brought them into it. And I do the same thing in my business. We do job costing after the jobs are over. Well, after everything's done, we'll look at our numbers, you know, all our expenses, our time on the job, and we'll look and see where we're at with our uh, job costing our gross profits. And then one of the things that I always do is say, okay, you know, what could we have done differently? How could we have done this better? Especially if it's, if we're below our our target gross profit, which by the way is 50% gross profit. So if we come in at 47% gross profit and I look at the stuff and I'm like, okay, well we had six extra man hours, you know, than what I thought was going to take. What, what happened? Like, what could we have done better? What, you know, what was the cause of this? And they say, well, you actually just underbid it. I mean, we worked our, we busted our butt. You just didn't put enough hours in there. So I know that's my fault, right? I got to do better at budgeting the hours on that job and, and estimating it. But I like the fact, and we always ask too, or I always ask them, you know, what, what could have been done differently? We also have a quality checklist where I literally have like five questions and I make them survey themselves, right? So it's like, they basically fill it out for themselves with the project. I give it to the my lead guy and have him fill it out. It's like how was the how was the cleanliness of the job site? You know, on a scale of one to ten, where do you think we were at on quality? Where were we at one to ten? And they they mark it. And I'll ask them. Sometimes they'll give themselves like a six or a seven. I'm like, okay, why'd you give yourself a six here? And they say, well, we you know there's a couple times we came up, came to the job in the morning, and there was dust or stuff on the ground. There was debris or crap on the floor, and you know I just felt like that should have been cleaned up better. So I mean, it's great that our teams, because it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing pretty much, and allowing them to grow, but not in a way of demanding perfection, right? You're tr- you're trying to encourage perfection even though that's not really attainable but you're trying to encourage it and so am i now i might be a little more direct than you (laughs) i'm probably not going to articulate it as well as you do but we're still on the same path yeah so i just want to be clear on something like part of that was all in aesthetics beauty you know those kind of things sure so if it had functionality we're, we're doing that too we're doing that too yeah, if it's a functionality issue, then I'm going to step in and go like, "This need, you need to make this correction right now." You know, water level is is one thing. Is if it's within a certain range, I'm going to be okay. But I prefer it one way. You know, it's one of my pet peeves. But if functionality is is jeopardized, then they're fixing it right then and there, right? So I, I do want to talk about making adjustments because making adjustments to head towards perfection is part of our journey to self-mastery and the constant and never-ending improvement. So I want to relate this to, 
your competition shooting. I think this might move you in a, in a fashion because you're constantly making adjustments. If you have to get faster, if, if you're not hitting the target correctly, if you're shooting too low or too much to the right, you have to make those adjustments, whether it's in the way your holster is, if it's got this, the right cant or not. If it's the cant is incorrect on your holster, you have to make that adjustment so it comes out of the holster correctly. You have to make an adjustment where your hand is so when you present the firearm towards the target, you know, everything's fast and closer to being perfect, right? How does that taste? Tastes like gunpowder. <laughs> Tastes like lead. But you see what I'm saying, right? And as if you were going to coach someone, if you were going to coach me how to be a competitive shooter, you would be showing me the, all these small adjustments, just like when I was training my team, how to... I wouldn't. You wouldn't what? I would not be showing you every little detail because that's not how you, that's not how you learn. <laughs> I'm not trying to bust your bubble. No, if, you if, asked me a direct question. If I was paying you, you if I was paying you as a coach, hey, I want to be better at competitive. I want to be a better golfer. I'd hire a golf instructor. He would teach yep. me the adjustments in my hips, in my feet placement, in my hand holding. If I was paying an instructor, they would make those adjustments for me. They would help me make those adjustments. Not to the level that you're thinking, though. That's the point I'm trying to make is if I have a new, a new shooter, maybe not even new, someone's been shooting, but they're like, hey, I want to be a, a better competition shooter. I'm not going to teach them how to shave a tenth of a second off their draw because they're not there yet. They're, they're not even there at shaving a half a second off their draw. So I can't teach you how to go to the micro level adjustments when they can't when they haven't even done the basic level adjustments. Well, sure. That's it's all incremental. You know, you can't teach every, I can't teach everyone how to build a perfect pond right from the get go, but I have that apprentice on hand. I'd be like, hold the shovel this way. Okay, cool. And then I let them go for a while. They, they use the shovel. And then I'd be like, hey, just turn the wheelbarrow in this direction. It's going to be more efficient and you'll be, you won't be as tired at the end of the day. Make this small adjustment and on and on and on. And so that's what the golf instructor would do. Or hopefully the shooting instructor would say, hey, this is the adjustment. This is where I want your hand touch the hand to your stomach as you're going to grab the the holster so your hand is already in position that adjustment is going to help you make the presentation smoother and quicker so you can't tell them all in one sitting it's incremental right on this episode of hammer and grind we learned that eric is a closet perfectionist <laughs> that's one of the things i hate about you brad what <laughs> are the many hey things? listen I joke around all the time. I say I'm a recovering perfectionist because I want everything to be perfect. Go ask my wife and she'll like, she'll probably jump all over this and talk, have an hour long conversation about everything that I want to be perfect. But it, it, for me, it's, I literally have to purposefully intentionally not be perfect because I want to be perfect. We talked about this on the journey to self mastery. If I can figure out a way to take a crap five seconds faster I'll do it, right? Because I want it to be perfect. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it becomes a curse. It becomes a negative thing when you can't let it go. When you get to 70 yards and they're like, the customer's like, that looks great. Your employees are like, that looks great. Everyone's saying it looks great. And you're like, no, it's not great. I have to get to 100 yards. I have to, I have to, I have to. That is, that's, that's a curse. When you're like that, that is absolutely a curse. Well, that's why it's a blessing to me and it's a curse to you. There's 
<laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah, They're, good. I mean, I, you're speechless. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, you're speechless, speechless because I, that I just dropped the fire on your face. Yeah, you dropped something on my face. I think it was a big dump. <laughs> well, that, I mean, we covered making adjustments. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, that's like oftentimes when you release something, and I did this with my my pond skimmer. I mean, I I poured everything into this mold, you know, and got the mold like the way I thought was going to be perfect. And I went to market on it. And then once you make that mold, there's not really many adjustments you can make. All the, you know, I can do some secondary operations on the skimmer to make some adjustments. But, you know, there's certain times when you get your rough draft, you have to go to market. And then you have to make changes later. And you make those changes because hindsight's twenty twenty. You go like, oh, I wish I would have done this. Let's make a change. Let's make an adjustment. And that gets you closer to, you know, this taking the perfect crap. Yeah, listen, a lot of corporations, especially with software, you see this all the time with software, they don't ever release their final draft, right? They release a rough draft first. They get a, they call them beta users, beta testers, and they say, okay, this is the core concept, right? And then they wait till they get feedback from their uh, users. What do you think about this? And they say, well, I wish you would have done this. I wish you would have had this. I wish you would add this and do this and this and this. And then they go, okay, and they go back and they make those changes and they release it again. And they just keep doing that over and over and over and over and over again. I think for contractors, they have to be okay with it not being okay sometimes. That's the Getmo principle is that it related to carpentry. If you put a door in and it's good, I mean, like the customer that walks in is like, oh, it looks great. It looks great. And you're like, no, 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 no. This piece of casing is not, you know, it's the 16th off down here and you want to make it perfect. And you spend an extra hour and a half just to make that piece of casing absolutely perfect. You literally are just cheating yourself out of money, right? Because the customer loves it as is. And you have, so you have to be able to figure out like, when is it good enough? When is, when is good enough? Okay. Sure. I mean, the same thing can be said about ponds. I want to spin this into the Profit Club, and let's talk about that for a minute. Because in the last podcast, we talked about does the perfect contractor business community exist? And I think we've done made some big steps towards perfection, you know, moving in that direction. Maybe we never hit perfection, but I think we've developed a pretty good group of contractors that all are on their own journey to self-mastery, that like a, a community, a family of people looking to head towards perfection. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I don't agree with the word perfection. No, <laughs> we know that we know. I, that. I, I know I'm just teasing. No, I, we, we want to create a group for other contractors to help them on their journey to self mastery. That's the word we need to be using self mastery, not perfection, because those are two different things. And, uh, yes, we use perfection as a loosely, you know, a loose term, but perfection is not attainable. It's not even remotely attainable. So the group, the profit club that we created, I mean, you and I spent a lot of energy, a lot of time trying to come up with what we believed was the greatest, I would say greatest, is a good community to help contractors. Specifically, if you're the type of contractor that's working 14, 15 hours a day in your business, you know, staying up late at night, missing your kids' uh, dance recital and and t-ball games and all that stuff, this is who we are trying to help. So why don't you, uh, let's give them some homework on this perfectionism thing. All right. Well, this is what I want to kind of throw out there. I want to challenge everyone who's listened to the podcast, who put up with Brad this long. 
I want you to evaluate a couple areas of your life. You know, maybe when you've gone, you know, you could have gone harder towards perfection. And then maybe sometimes when you went too far, maybe the 70 yard line was good enough and you were pushing for the 100 yard, you know, 100 yard line. I'd like for you to evaluate that. And, and I want this to go from like business development to job site experiences and possibly even relationships with your family and friends and spouse and so forth. And we'd love to get your feedback on that. I know um, I'd like to share with you that Facebook and Instagram is probably the best way for you to communicate those with us currently. But we'd, we'd love for you to, we'd love to challenge you. If you're listening to this podcast, you are looking to be on a journey to self-mastery. You want to be better. You want to strive for perfection. And even if it's maybe not attainable, we know who you are because you're still here. So we want to kind of challenge you for that. And we'd love to get your feedback over on Instagram or, or Facebook. Yeah, and I, I would challenge people to come into the Facebook group or even Instagram and uh, tell us if you think perfection is a curse or a blessing. Let us know who's right. Is yeah, Eric right or is Brad right? Well, that's going to be funny because it's going to be some people are going to be like it's a blessing and other people are going to be it's a curse. And I do want to give a big shout out to my boy, Aaron Keems, because he listened to one of our podcasts and he, he had said, hey, it would be cool if you got gave people homework. I mean, and so I jumped on. It. I thought it was a great idea. And that's part of this community. That's part of being around people who want to be better and, and challenge each other. You know, he challenged me to challenge you. And so big shout out to my boy, Aaron Keems, on that one. So. Um, yeah, we, we want to hear from you if you have any challenges. Yeah, if you have any challenges uh, for us to help make the, the groups better, we, we'd love to hear it from you guys for sure. Also, let us know if there's any specific topic. If there's an area in your business that you're struggling in, we might be able to uh, offer some advice or share some experiences or things that worked for us. So hit us up on our social media and let us know if there's any specific thing that you would like us to talk about. So with that being said, Eric, why don't you uh, why don't you take us out of here? All right, we're out. Thank you so much for lending us your attention and your ears today. If you're enjoying the podcast and you're finding value, it would mean the world to us. If you just took a moment to give us a review, subscribe, and of course, smash that five-star rating. It helps the position of the podcast and ratings and so forth. Please follow us over on Facebook and Instagram. The handle is at Hammer and Grind Podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about the Profit Club and the Profit Sales System that we've talked about, jump on over to hammerandgrind.com, click on the menu, and you'll find the Profit Club and the Sales System and all those wonderful things there. And of course, you can subscribe to get updates just by putting in your email address. So without further ado, we're going to take off and um, keep, down, keep up the hammer, keep up the grind. We'll see you on the next download.